Hey, what's up, Cub fans? Welcome to episode 96 of Locked on Cubs. I'm your host, Ryan Davis, and you can read my work at sometimes at the Sporting News, sometimes at The Athletic, but also at Bet Chicago and other places as well. And today I've got a guest with me, well, actually not so much a guest as maybe uh, a regular contributor going forward. Uh, that's uh, Sean Sears. How's it going, man? I'm doing good. I'm happy to be uh, joining with you this morning. Exciting times here for the Cubs. <laughs> Yeah, uh, why don't you tell our listeners, I know that you've done a few of the podcasts before, but uh, let them know where they can find you and uh, and your your work a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Well, of course, you can find me on Lockdown Cubs. I'm a regular contributor there. Um, I do some MLB work for Fansided's uh, main MLB site and um, contribute here and there from a couple of other places, potentially some freelance stuff. I'll let you guys know more details. But uh, for the most part, mainly Lockdown Cubs and uh, Fansided. Cool. Well, yeah, it's great to have you on the podcast, and it's hard for me to find uh, people who can come on regularly because I record this about 9 a.m. when most <laughs> people are like doing actual jobs. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I, I appreciate you coming on and helping me. So, uh, the first uh, first thing I want to talk about is uh, today's game, and then second segment we'll go into some of the the fouler comments made by John Moselliak yesterday. I know uh, Cub fans are really up in arms about that. And then the third segment, we'll just do our usual NL Central thing. So uh, the Cubs play at 120 today, and it's Michael Fulmer of the Detroit Tigers against Kyle Hendricks. Hendricks has been particularly bad lately, and he's been unable to command his pitches like he wants to. The velocity's not down. It's just he's missing by several inches on a lot of his stuff, which makes him more prone to go over the middle of the plate. And then we saw what happened in the last start against the Dodgers. They just barreled him up like crazy. (laughs) Yes, they did. <laughs> I, I think this is a good opportunity for Hendricks to fix his problems and maybe build a little confidence mm-hmm. against a struggling Tigers team. And Fulmer has struggled lately as well. The Cubs are on an absolute streak, but um, you know, with if the conditions are the same today as they were for the three games against the Twins, it could be another rough day for Hendricks, I think. Yeah, no, I'm I'm there with you. Uh, like you said, his location has been kind of suspect recently. Um, his stuff is great when he's locating, but when it's not, it's easier, like you said, to barrel up. You can kind of anticipate it more because, I mean, he's topping out at like 91 miles an hour at times, but usually hovers in this, those high 80s. So uh, clearly location is a huge thing for Hendricks. Yeah, and I, I think the Tigers have lost a whole bunch. I mean, I don't, I don't know if they ended that losing streak or not. I didn't check, but I know that they were on a, a huge losing streak mm-hmm. uh, until just recently. Maybe they, maybe they, they won uh, a game. Did I think they, they picked up. They picked up their last two games. They won one game by a ton, actually. I think it was like, yeah, they beat Toronto like nine to one, and then they beat them two to one or three to two last night. So uh, just squeaking by. But yeah, they lost like nine games in a row before that. Yeah, so this is a team that's obviously not playing well yeah. uh, overall. Uh, they played last night, whereas the Cubs had the day off and were at home, uh, so that you know the Tigers had to play and then travel. So th- this is really advantage Cubs today, uh, especially being a one twenty game in the heat. Uh, mm. I, I I would think that Hendricks and the Cubs just come out and pound this team, but baseball is baseball, man. Yeah, that, you would you you would probably say that against the Cincinnati Reds and the Cubs found a way to get swept by them. So, I mean, you know, it's a tale of two teams sometimes. But, yeah, I would say this is probably a really good rebound candidate for Hendricks and then probably just for the rest of the Cubs lineup as they continue to, I mean, like you said, mow down the Twins. Hopefully they do the same here against the Tigers. Yeah, it's interesting. The Reds, everyone knows they got off to that 3-18 and 18 start, but since then they're 34-30. and 30. 
I saw you share that tweet yesterday. I was not, I mean, I, they've got a better team that I think people give them credit for. And of course, when you've got Joey Votto, you're going to have probably at least a decently successful offense from time to time, especially in great American ballpark. But yeah, I was not expecting them to be above 500 team since, you know, losing Gosh, I mean, they won like what, like four games to start the season. It was crazy. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I predicted before the season that I thought they were going to be a fourth place team. I thought they were going to win like 75, maybe at most like 78 games. Right. And be like that kind of close to 500 team. And obviously they're not going to get there. But, you know, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility they get to like 70, 72 wins and uh, finish in fourth place ahead of the Pirates because I don't I don't think the Pirates are all that good. But we don't have to no. talk about that. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so the Cubs play a 120 today. That'll be Fulmer against Hendricks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I'm sure the lineups are going to be out here any minute, but um, yeah, a, another short interleague series that I think the Cubs could win both games potentially and then go into their next, what, four game set and uh, really finish out this eight game homestand um, with, with an impressive record, I think. Yeah, I, I think I'm right there with you. This is a good good time for the Cubs to kind of stack some wins kind of like the Brewers did to start the season and uh, see if they can kind of push themselves even a little bit closer to the NL Central, you know, title right now. And today, I believe, is the day that Chris Bryant could come off the DL. I'm sure our listeners will probably know more details by the time they actually right. get. Of course, I forgot to check it. I don't even know. Maybe he is already off the DL. But uh, um, even if it's not today, uh, that's going to be a huge thing for the Cubs is getting Bryant back um soon hopefully nice and well rested from his um uh, shoulder injury yeah i mean uh, we've kind of talked about it a little bit uh you know the cubs seem to have guys getting hot while the rest of the r- roster is kind of middling or figuring it out now we're seeing guys like Zilberson and hayward and Baez right now kind of pick it up and do the things that you know i guess maybe not do the things we expected them to do but to be those good offensive players now you add brian to the mix hopefully he can kind of find himself where he was back in April and May and less of before this shoulder injury, then, you know, if everything starts clicking there, I mean, clearly the Cubs offense has been great this last week. Um, sky's the limit at that point, right? Right. All right. Let's go ahead and go to segment two. We'll talk a little bit about Dexter Fowler. So I don't know if you saw this yesterday. I'm, I assume mm-hmm. you did. I think pretty much everyone saw it. Um, <laughs> John Moselliak, who is the, uh, president of baseball ops for the St. Louis Cardinals, their former GM. Uh, he made some eyebrow raising comments on Dexter Fowler. And I'll just go ahead and read the, the main line here. It says, mm-hmm. I've had a lot of people come up to me and question his effort and energy level. And those are things I can't defend. I try to create opportunities for him, but not if it's at the expense of other players who are hustling and playing hard. Now, these comments to me i mean first of all what are you doing calling right. out your own player like that uh calling out effort and energy for a guy who's never been questioned about his effort and energy uh and number two i i want to be a little bit of a conspiracy theorist on this is this moseliak mentally preparing the fans uh to save his own ass when fowler when they can't trade him him just cutting him and paying the money uh, for the next three years in like august i mean that's kind of what i was thinking because i mean i mean he's not he's not an idiot like he's aware like what those words were saying and even like when he tried to backtrack a little bit afterwards the comments still were like it was still criticism 
no matter how he kind of span it and he like it seemed like he was trying to apply it to the whole team but it's like then why single dexter fowler out directly yeah and no, i'm i get that he's struggling uh, and, and I mean, his, his numbers are terrible. There's no way to split that. I think he has a 171 right. average. He has a 200 something slugging. His OPS is like 554. Yeah. Um, but you know, where was he calling out players like that when Matt Carpenter had a similar start to the season? Was he going to say anything mm -hmm. about Carpenter at that point? So I feel like this is an unfair call out. I mean, especially unfair when you talk about he's questioning his effort. Uh, I don't, and, and maybe, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I can't speak for Dexter Fowler and say I know for sure he's giving 110% for the Cardinals, but uh, he never struck me as the kind of player who would get into a personal spot where he would just be like, screw this, I'm not trying hard. Well, yeah, and I mean, like, for him to be as beloved by almost all his former Cubs teammates and even, like, teammates from the Rockies or whatnot when he was coming up there as a rookie, uh, it just doesn't seem like that's the type of character Dexter Fowler has. Um I don't know. I, I kind of agree with you in the sense that he they very well could be just preparing to try and maybe move Dexter Fowler or do something with him because, like like you said, he's not hitting OPS at 53 right now, OPS plus right now at 53. Like, that's brutal. Like, he's not, he's not hitting. And there's criticism there, and that's fair. But you do it in a way that is professional, and that, that wasn't. That was like, I'm mad at this man. I gave him so much money, and he's not good, so I'm going to throw him under the bus. It's just like – I don't know. Finger pointing never wins in any situation. So, yeah, and I, I mean, it just seems like a a guy who is trying to justify his own promotion uh, is trying to justify uh, not doing things differently. Coming off of 2015, I mean, obviously the Cardinals won 100 games that year, um, but <clears throat> I think most observers knew that they were trending downward. Right. As far as talent level, a lot of those guys, you know, Matt Holiday was going to be gone soon. Well, and that too, and also like the Cardinals, I think that year, I mean, they, they were like projected to be like a, a, a mid to low 90 win team and ended up just going on a tear towards the end of that year and really catapulting themselves into that first place spot. Cause of course the pirates and Cubs were right behind them there. Um, but yeah, I mean, everyone was kind of like, you know, th that St. Louis Cardinals black voodoo magic type of thing. Like it just didn't make sense. They were doing so well, but they just consistently had that pedigree so it kind of made sense but i think we all agree now clearly seeing it like the cup the cardinals were trending down hard they peaked extremely high in 2015 yeah and um i wrote a piece for the sporting news last year that um i reposted yesterday on twitter uh and i can link in the description if anybody's interested in it it's really interesting um reading it again now uh with perspective on what's happened in the last two years and what moselliac said yesterday uh, and it's about Dexter Fowler and his fit in the Cardinals clubhouse. And when he first returned to Wrigley Field, I went to uh, him and several of his Cardinals teammates. And then I went to several of his old Cubs teammates and talked to him about Fowler. And mm -hmm. the difference in tone and the way his teammates talk about him uh, with the Cardinals, I think it was Matt Carpenter and Paul DeYoung, who was basically, uh, by the time I talked to him, it was his first few weeks in the big leagues. But there was... Um, there was a parallel that I tried to draw, and it was Carpenter and Rizzo talking about Fowler, the two veteran first basemen, okay. and, then, and then DeYoung, who was just up into the big leagues, and Albert Almora, who had just come up into the big leagues the year before. And while when I asked DeYoung about the veteran leadership in the locker room, he didn't even mention Fowler at first. And then I brought up Fowler, and then he started talking about him about like, oh, yeah, he's a good guy, too. Um Whereas Almora talked about like a personal story where Fowler like 
bought him something at a mall when he first got called up to the big leagues to try and be like to welcome him because he knew you know obviously Dexter's making way more money and something that he right dollars like no I got this uh and Almora talked about like oh that's, that's such a big thing for me and Rizzo talked about him being like one of his best friends and Matt mm-hmm. Carpenter was just like I, I asked him how like Fowler was being a leader and I wish I had pulled this up so I could read the quote but his quote was just kind of like not really so much a leader so much as he's fitting in with the rest of us and, right and that that just seemed kind of like uh and, and when I saw him walk into the clubhouse I even thought about like he walked in with his headphones on and his head down and went straight to his locker didn't like engage anybody and this was you know what like three months two months into his contract with the cardinals it just seemed different and yeah. now i'm in with the context of today some of it even reads kind of eerie yeah i can imagine i mean the foreshadowing there clearly probably existed um but you even talk about like i it could very well just be that the varying clubhouses because i mean we hear it from everyone i mean you've been in that clubhouse yourself you've seen it that the energy that 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 is there with the cubs clubhouse compared to other places is a lot different and for a guy like fowler who lights up a room usually with his personality i'm sure he just felt way more at home with those guys and the encouragement of you know the type of people that are in that environment compared to the cardinals who are very much kind of like the classic example of old school baseball. They run everything like you did in 1970 something, you know, like that's kind of their mindset through there. So I could see why he could feel maybe just that, like not, maybe not like uncomfortability, but it's just like some tenseness or like, you know, maybe just trying to fit in like Carpenter said. Um, but yeah, I mean, clearly Dexter Fowler is a guy that needs to be in the center of things. And when he's not, he probably feels like he's left out of the whole, you know, whatever it may be whether it's the team itself or maybe it's the organization you know who knows how he's feeling but clearly things aren't fantastic in st louis for either one of them yeah and i i think the other hard truth here is regardless of what mazeliak said which i think we can agree was extremely wrong and i think everybody loves dexter feller personally who's who's been able to see him play or even you know speak to him and get to know him a little bit um but the hard truth is the Cardinals have at least three outfielders who are better than him right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, statistically every outfielder in baseball is better than Fowler right now, but um, <laughs> yeah. e- even Fowler, like um, getting more towards the mean, uh, I-, I think, you know, obviously Tommy Pham's better. Obviously Marcelo Zuna is a better player. Yeah. And at this point, I think Harrison Bader, considering the fact that he might be the best one of the best defensive center fielders in the game. Uh, I would say that he's a better player too, and he's younger. And, you know, that that really, I think, you know, we just talked about with the Cardinals trending downward after 2015, that this has been kind of the wrong direction for them. Uh, I, I think they should be going to guys who are like Bader and developing him um, and developing guys like Paul Young and, and trying to push your team forward with those guys. Uh, so, yeah, I don't think it's all that odd that, Maybe they're trying to find the right way to get Fowler out of the organization. Uh, I just don't think this was the right way to do it. Yeah, I I, I think that's pretty safe to assume. This was uh, this it just came across as unprofessional to me, and for an organization that hasn't always had the best reputation these last couple of years with everything that happened at Houston as well, um, you know, it's just kind of another kind of black mark against a otherwise pretty storied franchise. Right. All right. Uh, I think that's enough talking about the Cardinals. Uh, let's go ahead and finish. We'll go to our third segment and talk about what happened in the NL Central. So quickly, I'm going to tell you what happened. Uh, everyone played except for the Cubs yesterday. And short story is it wasn't good. 
The Brewers came back on the Twins. Uh, they scored a run in the ninth to tie it and then scored in the 10th to beat Minnesota 6-5. Uh, to five. The Cardinals jumped all over the Arizona Diamondbacks early with a four spot in the first inning, and they won easily 6-3. to three. The Reds came back on the White Sox and won 5-3 to three thanks to four runs in the bottom of the eighth inning, and the Pirates just continue to be terrible. They lost 17-1 to one against the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, so quickly, our... Our NL Central standings coming into play today. Milwaukee is 49 and 35. Uh, they have a game up on the Cubs who are 47 and 35. The Cardinals are 43 and 40 and five and a half back. So the Cubs have four and a half games between them and the Cardinals. The Pirates are 40 and 44 and nine back. And the Reds are 37 and 48 at 12 and a half back. So um, just quickly, your thoughts on. Uh, where things are right now, we're just beyond the midway point of the season. The Brewers have a one-game edge, but they are essentially tied uh, in the loss column. Um, only the Atlanta Braves have a better record in the National League than either team. Uh, so what are your thoughts on on what we're going to see moving forward with the Cubs? Um, I, I think the Cubs are going to be, like we're seeing right now, one of the best teams in the NL. I, I think this team, once they get healthy and once we kind of see everyone click on all cylinders, because uh, like I was saying earlier in the show, we haven't really seen that. Uh, I don't see how the Cubs don't get past the Brewers. I don't see how they, you know, don't kind of maybe take, maybe not a, a, a strong hold of the NL Central, just because I think the Brewers are going to be in it for the long haul at this point. Just, I mean, 50 wins at this point before the All-Star break. They've got enough wins to kind of go 500 and still find themselves in this situation. Um, uh, so I think the Cubs are, are going to make that push and I think they'll eventually take this division, but I think it'll be close. I, I can't see anyone taking more than a four game lead at this point, just cause I do think, you know, even way the Cardinals are playing and they're still kind of in the picture, but I, no doubt in my mind, I think the Cubs still end up taking this division at some point. All right. You're my first guest that I've had on since the midway point, but, um, I'll tell mm -hmm. you, let me tell you what the uh, Brewers and Cubs and Cardinals are on pace for, and then we can talk about where we think they'll land. So the okay. Brewers are on pace for exactly 94.5 wins. Uh, where do they where do they end up? Ooh, I I want to say like 91 feels right. I feel like 94 is a little too high. Um, I feel like when, especially when we get closer to that division push, I don't think they're pitching. It, it's been great so far, but I'm not super sold on it. I think as anyone would say at this point, I think that's maybe the difference, but yeah, I, I see low nineties is the the ceiling for the Brewers. Yeah. I, I kind of thought 90 to 92 makes a lot of sense. Um, all right. Cubs are on pace for 92.8 wins. So you could round that up easily to 93. Where do you think they land? I think that's about right. Maybe a little bit higher. I, I could see them topping out at like 96 wins at the very most. Um, but yeah, I think, I think 94 or 95 feels about right. So I'm a little more, I'm on the higher end on this. I think they're about 96 uh, is okay. where I would expect them considering all the kind of frustrating things that have happened in the first half. And then they're still on pace for 93. I think, that's a good point. you know, being uh, optimistic that Darvish is going to come back and pitch well in the second half. Uh, being optimistic that Hendricks and Quintana will be a little bit better. Uh, maybe Lester will regress a little bit, but I feel like the rotation as a whole should be better second half versus first half. I think yeah. they'll make a trade for an extra bullpen arm to help out in that way and then getting Bryant off the DL. And really, I mean, uh, Rizzo and Bryant 
I mean, Bryant's been good, but Rizzo has been statistically one of their worst hitters. Not saying he's having a bad season, but um, statistically, uh, there are a bunch of guys having better years than he is, and and you know he's going to pick it up at some point. So uh, I think 96 should be about where they land, and I could see them even getting up near 100. Okay. I like right. the optimism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what we do here. That's uh, true. The, the Cardinals, uh, they are on pace for about 83 wins. That seems about right, honestly. Um, I, I they'll probably I think they could do better, um, especially with how like potential the the potential of their pitching is great. Uh, you know they've got three or four guys I think in their rotation that could be really good. Um, so I could see them going pushing up to like eighty five. Um, that's kind of where I see them. I think eighty three might be a little bit low, but yeah, no, that, that's I'm right there with you. I, I've said since the start of the season, I think they're an 85, 86 win team. I may have gone a little bit higher and said that at one point I thought they could win 88, but that's probably a reach. Um, and that, that's probably factoring in a lot of devil magic. <laughs> Can never count it out though. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, and we don't need to go into the Pirates and Reds because those teams are, are not very good and nope. uh, they're obviously out of the race. Uh, I'm, I'm still sticking with my prediction that the Reds finish ahead of the Pirates, but that's about as interesting as I go with it. Yeah, I, honestly, I think I'm there with you. The Pirates look really bad. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thank you again for joining me uh, for the average listener. Um, let you know that Sean's going to be joining me a bit more regularly um, tomorrow. I'm going to actually have uh, Tom Usiak on to talk about a piece that he wrote on a Cubs prospect. Um, but after that, I think uh, it'll probably be more regularly either Sean and me or one of us uh, will be putting out uh, a, a podcast pretty much every day, I would say. Yeah, that sounds about right. I'm excited to do it. Thanks for having me on, guys. Or you, I guess. It's only you. (laughs) Well, thanks for listening. This has been episode 95 of Locked On Cubs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we will talk to you again soon.